Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Welcome to the COB. I'm Juliet Sarley. Today I dragged along Andrew Cagan. Oh, Kagan. I dragged along. Come on. Oh, I Loving being enticed, here, Juliet, enticed. to close out the day. Exactly. And what a good day it has been. Look, you know, when the market finishes high, always a good day, isn't it? Yeah, indeed. Um, not quite the, the highs that we saw on the open. There was a bit of a dip around 11 o'clock, I think. But at least we've had a positive session. The S&P 500, of course, hitting a record on Wall Street. The SIBO 200, they're up a third of 1%. And the ASX 200, also a third of 1% as we head into to the match off higher. It's up 23.7,638. Yeah, looking around the sectors, look, uh, all green aside from energy, consumer staples, telco. Uh, so um, we'll talk about energy in just a moment. Well, in fact, I was going to say, we're going to talk about AGL, but technically not really energy, is it? No, but it's a utility and yes. um, it shot the lights out when we have a look at our three themes. Uh, really investors liking that. Well, why wouldn't you? Fourfold uh, increase in net profit. I think just under 400 million. It was 87 million this time last year. You spoke to the CFO. Yeah, I did indeed, uh, Gary Brown. Uh, look, obviously they're happy given they've turned it around. However, look, question remains and it's always a tight line to tread, isn't it? Uh, for a company when you're trying to uh, impress both the shareholder and also the customer and clearly a lot of questions Mm. uh, for the customers at the moment given the cost of living and uh, given the profits that they're making where they should pass them on to their customers. Absolutely. A bit hard to swallow, isn't it? And um, I'm going to write about that in The View today. You can read it on our newsletter about uh, the fact that, you know, we had the Fells report coming through and we are all got these higher electricity costs. So, you know, when are we potentially going to see those down? Although he did say, didn't he, seeing four-year 25 curves start to show some downward pressure. Uh, we've also got financial finesse up there. The banks all looking pretty good. NAB, of course, yesterday was a little bit weaker on that uh, change in the uh top with the new CEO, but up by about 1% today. And then more concerns in China, more yep. deflationary pressures. Yeah, those prices continuing to fall there. A bit of a, Wouldn't we love a bit of that mm. um, here? But of course, that is bad news uh, for China. And uh, given the woes also, what we're seeing on the share market there too, although that has been turned around uh, with government intervention. They've uh, dismissed a few people, whatever that means in China, whether there's to be seen again. But yeah. um, uh, they are obviously intervening in that market, a bit of market manipulation going on there, just as far as what we're seeing in China. Yep, the so-called national team. All right, let's have a look at the sectors here and kicking it off with some of the, the tech players today. Uh, Wise Tech up by about 3%, Zero up 1%, Altium and Technology One also looking good. All right, let's take a look at the REITs and the utilities, oh, and utilities sorry, in I fact. Yeah, okay, Origin Energy. Um, look, the standout obviously being AGL off the back of that result and uh, 
couple of the telcos as well. And now to the REITs, uh, also interest rate sensitive, Goodman Group down, but we saw Centre, Stockland, Vicinity Centres and GPT all looking pretty good. All right, so let's get into some greater detail with, of course, uh, earnings season underway. Uh, Cochlear lifting its earnings guidance for financial 2040 between 385 and 400 million dollars, equal to growth between 26 and 31 percent for the year, saying implant revenue is behind that upgrade to expectations. Shares are up six percent. Elsewhere, uh, Mervac Group uh, up by about five percent. It actually swung to a loss of 201 million for the half year versus 215 million profit in the prior period. Uh, also in property, REA Group lifting its dividend 16 after reporting a 22% jump in net profit to $250 for the half year. Transurban shares sold off today. It does expect dividends to climb though, 7% for the year. That's after net profits more than quadrupled, similar to what you saw at AGL. And a really impressive bounce for News Corp. Shares up there almost 7% after it posted a 95% rise in second quarter profit to $183 million US dollars on sales that rose 3%. All right. Well, in terms of what we are seeing more broadly, let's get to our guest to for a welcome rather to the COB, George Maboris from K2 Asset Management, who joins us now. George, good to see you. Uh, the, the non-recession scenario you're saying at the moment, the key driver for the equity market. Gillette, hi, and Andrew, good to see you both. Uh, yes, I mean, for managers and active managers and many like us around the world, that have been on that non-recession, soft economic landing, overweight, developed market equities. The narrative has always been that if you escape that hard landing, then profits don't collapse and they build from a, uh, a and re-accelerate at a lower pace uh, from a higher base. And that's what the equity market did late last year. But then people are questioning the valuations. They then look very quickly looking at the US uh, earnings period. It, it's, it's betting expectations that were lowered. EPS will be upgraded. Unfortunately, the multiple is it's meant to be expensive if you don't have a recessionary scenario. Uh, and that's all panning out. Staples and uh, healthcare are doing quite well and broad industrials over there. Uh, they're beating higher than the average of 71%. So, so, so things look reasonable uh, for that risk on. Uh, there are nuances and trades going on and some profit taking. Slightly different story in Australia, but, it, it, but in, in the broad sense, the S&P 500 is just exhibiting again is that aggregate earnings that have been upgraded the multiple is a stretch for some uh, that have been waiting for that uh, you know the entry point and uh, and again it's that interest rate peak in the cycle won't go to those lows of the past 15 years and just playing around with that slowdown how it looks but it's a reasonable picture in the developed world and a very bad picture in the Chinese economy separately. George, uh, we might just ask you about China in just a moment, but um, I'm interested for you to make a comparison between what we're seeing in the US and here in Australia, obviously coming out of uh, US earnings season, getting into it locally. Um, what are your observations, particularly as far as those valuations are concerned? I mean, clearly uh, the Australian market has underperformed, certainly over the past 12 months. Of course, a lot of that due to the fact that our performance we've seen in the States with Megatech. Exactly. So the composition of our equity boards is a reflection of the underperformance versus the S&P 500. We sit in the middle of, say, what the UK is and the US uh, and, and parts of the uh, European uh, equity market. But obviously, for obvious reasons, uh, financial is a big part 
REITs and, and banks and diversified financials and uh, and then obviously resources and then the resource link that have been spinning out those uh, those massive dividends in recent years uh, can be reflected in part to the FTSE because of their energy overweight and some commodity. But having said all of that, the drag's there. It's a legitimate drag given the economy and where we are. Uh, we have got some demand destruction, obviously with tighter policy here. There's a little bit of a nuance versus North America. Uh, but the thing to reinforce is that uh, for calendar 2024 for corporate Australia, uh, the margins and cost controls would be more heated and amplified and front of centre, uh, as they all are anywhere in the world, but versus the US economy, versus this, the stage of the cycle they're in. So just to reinforce the point, corporate Australia will really need to uh, get on top of costs and uh, they'd be very hesitant in broad sense to get aggregate upgrades on the back of uh, large investments. So we'll be a bit more sort of cautious because of that. And there are things to reflect on different markets, different re reasons and rationales between our equity boards in the US. And then Australia, at the end of the day, it's a small, uh, it's a, it's, a, it's a small economy, open economy, dictated by currency moves, but it's a net energy and food and commodity exporter uh, with a high over-reliance on the uh, financials here. Uh, where the rest of the world doesn't want to go overweight our banks, but they're in good shape. But their ability to uh, get major upgrades will be limited with their margin pressure. George, just talk us through um, your view on China. You, you did talk on China there, but uh, these deflationary concerns, CPI, the worst annual drop since September 2009, which was, of course, the peak of the GFC, you are short China equities. Yeah, so let's put it in perspective. We're active managers, again, growth managers. We're short China. And if I can say most of the active world is short China, just to reinforce that point. And we've been mainly uh, short to various degrees since that March quarter of uh, 2021 when Beijing did that overreach. But there are many different things and many moving parts uh, going on with China. But obviously the world's largest uh, construction cycle collapse ever seen. It gets worse before it gets worse. Sentiment's been impacted at the household and business sentiment. They need to attract finite capital. It's very difficult. Yes, they've extended from 1 Jan this year the brick economy family uh, to more legitimise the FTAs coming out of, uh, say, the Middle East, uh, as an example. Uh, they need to attract much more capital uh, going forward. Uh, but, uh, but that economy is... is got some issues to work through and that is why Beijing and fiscal stimulus with the PBOC is just throwing everything at it at an increasing rate which we've been waiting and expecting for a good year or so and we've seen that play out and very quickly while it gets worse before it gets worse and it's not good for our exporters of energy and uh, commodities and metals all things being equal uh, that deflationary cycle take a step back helps on the on on capping Reacceleration of core CPIs, all things being equal for the for the developed world. So that, that that that's working towards rate stability and making that case for rates to be cut in, throughout 24 in the developed world, but not as much as some people expect. But the Chinese economy is very problematic uh, for the for for the globe, and again goes down. You know, but the signs have been quite clear. They've been getting cheap energy inputs, obviously because of that uh, Russian and Middle Eastern oil they've been getting all along. But at the same time, sentiment's depressed at the consumer level, sentiment's depressed at the uh, at the business level, and they really have a problem attracting capital in that economy. So again, gets worse before it gets worse, uh, and then sometime they'll have to just recalibrate and get out of this uh, this mess they're in. George, just very briefly, of course, the macro influencing the micro. Given what you heard on Tuesday from the RBA, does that change your investment thesis at all? 
No, uh, steady as. The, the governor, she's she done a remarkable job in the communication. It's a new regime, of course. Uh, I think they've got some concerns with that portion of the services inflation in Australia relative to other developed markets, but putting that aside, rate cuts are ahead. They won't be as much as people expect. They understand there's demand destruction and a third of Australian households that have got a mortgage do need some form of relief. That's going to start obviously with uh, tax cuts on 1 July, but much more needs to be coming out of that. But the rate cuts will happen towards the end of the year, but not as much as people thought. It seemed quite pragmatic and reasonable, but the bond market, and this is the key point, the bond market's pricing in uh, rate cuts and no consideration for the potential of rates going higher as the governor was trying to have an each way bet. All right, George. Thanks as always, George Baboris from K2 Asset Management. And uh, let's have a quick look at some of the market leaders and laggards in the session. All right, there we go. No surprise, AGL has been the headline all day. Um, stock, let's call it a 10% rise for the day, which has been pretty impressive. Um, elsewhere, their News Corp, look, so much of this obviously coming down to those results. We've seen News Corp, one of those beneficiaries. Uh, and also on the resources sector, Chalice, uh, and Liontown, a lot of those lithium stocks coming back. We have seen the, the lithium price rise mm. over the past couple of sessions. And Mervac uh, rounding out off the back of its results. All right, to the laggards today. Uh, REA Group, we've touched on Magellan Financial, also under pressure. Ingham's, interestingly, that was a, a Bell Potter pick yesterday uh, from Grady, down almost uh, 3%. Neuron Pharmaceuticals and GUD Holdings. And then just having a quick look at the small end of town as well. Yeah, Amero International, um, need to take a look at uh, what's going on there, but a 20% rise. Calyx, also one of those um, very uh, flexible stocks there is up uh, around 19% uh, and elsewhere in the resources sector, Syra, Derex, and we've got electro-optic systems uh, also up more than 11%. Okay, and uh, just having a look at the laggards in the space as well, Calidus Resources down almost 6%, Impedimed, Tambran, Greenex Metals and CTI Logistics. All right, having a quick look at the stock of the day, it was of course AGL Energy. Yep, Michael Gable from Fairmont Equities and Kevin Robinson from Team Investor join the call to share their view on whether it's a buy hold or maybe a sell. Definitely over the long term, a bit of a bit of a capital destroyer. Unfortunately, a lot of investors hold this for the dividend. Yeah. You lose more than the dividend on on the capital. Um, you know, share price performance longer term has been been very poor. Um, yeah, you know, with these with these utilities, um, you know, I guess what you would be looking for would be, you know, like a transurban type um, business where you know the income, you know, the earning stream is pretty reliable year on year. Um, whereas obviously with AGL, it's it has been a bit all over the place. So, yeah, you're buying into a utility. It yeah it. The dividend's only a few percent. I guess it's you know, it's gone up today. Um, in a high interest rate environment, you could get a better return in the bank. A, a, mm. a, obviously, a, a risk free return with your money in the bank. So, look, great result for the moment. Um, share price is up twelve percent. Maybe it can squeeze a bit more out of it on the upside, but. You know, just that variability in earnings is not great for this type of investment. Um, and then you've got that government risk that, yeah. um, you know, they might do something with the prices and affect their margins. So, the so we now have more generation from solar rooftops than uh, coal. So they have to negotiate that 
moving landscape, if you like, as well, which they may well do it very well, um, but it does pre present some risks as well as, I think, the risks that Michael said. So from our point of view, it wouldn't be one that I don't think many of our members would be interested in. All right, let's have a look at what is happening overnight. Quite a bit happening. Initial jobless claims coming through in the US. Uh, also one of the Fed members, Barkin, speaking. I mean, we've had a whole raft of them joining the chorus of J-PAL, haven't we? Um, just really indicating no move in March. Um, a 30-year bond auction as well. The 10-year got a lot of attention. And uh, also in terms of earnings, got uh, Ralph Lauren, Pinterest, Expedia, Hershey's, ConocoPhillips and Lowe's among them. All right, let's have a look at what we're expecting here tomorrow. We get uh, more from, from Michelle Bullock. Yeah, in fact, she's giving a parliamentary testimony. So interesting to see whether she expands or what she had to say on Tuesday. Yep, and earnings from Borrell. Uh, well, we had News Corp and REA today, um, but potentially Borrell coming through tomorrow. And then, of course, tomorrow night, EU German final CPI month on month. All right, let's have a quick look at where the market is. Um, we know it's higher, up by about a third of 1%, yeah. I think. And uh, the the uh, movement in the ASX 200 up 23 points, a third of 1%, 7,638. All right, what will tomorrow hold? Um, and I guess a lot of that dictated also what we're seeing out of the States. Uh, investors really looking for more guidance on interest rates, aren't they? They want that question answered. When are you going to cut? Yeah, but then I think the other point is that a couple of our guests have made, you know, we're not going to see one or two percentage worth of cuts. We're going to see very incremental hmm. moves. This higher for longer, I think everybody is forgetting. But anyway, at least potentially no more hikes, which is uh, a lot of relief for a number of people. Anyway, we'll be back to do it again tomorrow from 10 a.m. 10 Eastern. See you then. Mm -hmm.